So good to be with you this morning. My name is Tim. Uh, I'm the lead pastor here. And um, I just heard Connor say that, uh, come drop off your kids to play and paint on Saturday. So uh, I, I may have missed, I was kind of in and out of listening. And so I may have missed some of that. So uh, somebody help fill me in. I uh, work day. I don't know that we've ever done this before. And so it truly might be worth just coming and watching what chaos happens. So um, there's some great people organizing it, and um, we're going to get a ton done. I have no idea what that is, um, but it's going to be really great and important, and who knows what kind of fun will happen during it. So um, yeah, Saturday, our first, our first ever all-church all work day, um, or emotional support day, whatever role you end up, end up playing in that. Um, I, uh, I, when Connor said drywall this morning, drywall repair. Um, I have, uh, in the process of raising three boys in my home, and so if that's just a skill, a gift, a, a spiritual talent that you have, um, I would love to have a conversation with you. I can get into the wall and fairly smooth. I'm clearly better at it than, than Connor is, but, um, but I've got some tricky places I just can't figure out. So anyways, um, so that's all I'm going to say about that. And you apparently are very fine with that, so that's great. Um, <laughs> Uh, if you don't have a Bible, um, please please grab one or pull one up on your on your phone or screen or whatever you might have. Um, we're going to open up the scriptures together uh, this morning as we do every time we gather, uh, and we're going to be kind of right in the middle of, of the Bible um, this morning. So if you want to just go right to the middle, um, I'll, I'll get you there in a little bit, in a few minutes. But um, yeah, find a Bible um, and pray with me, and then we, we, will, we will go to scripture together. God, you're here, and we are... I'm so privileged and glad uh, and blessed to be able to, to meet with you, uh, with so many other people, to sing to you, to laugh together, uh, to be silent together, to go to your word together, to pray together. Um, God, thank you for inviting us to be with you uh, this morning. Um, we, we declare in this place and in our hearts and minds that you're good. Um, that you're present, that you're, you're moving and alive and, and working in our world today and in our very hearts and lives and families and church. And, and God, we worship you in, in this place. And we, we long to connect with you. We don't want you to remain an idea or words on a page, but we want to connect with you and, and hear from you and for you to hear from us. And so, Holy Spirit, we today invite you to work and move in this place. Would you bring our hearts alive in new ways? Will you sharpen our minds? Will you calm our spirits? Will you help us to take a deep breath and to be ready to receive from you? And Jesus, all that we do here points to you and is because of you. And so would you make yourself known to us in a new way? Would you guide us as we seek to, to go to your word and your scriptures together and to glean from it and to be shaped by by it. It's in your name that we pray. Amen. I, I learned uh, recently, because uh, I went looking for it, uh, but found how many, kind of the average thought, um, I don't know what research this is based on, I, I read a little bit about it and it didn't quite make sense to me, but the, the kind of general thought or idea of how many decisions uh, you and I make each and every day. Um, and research, and again, I'm not sure exactly how this all works or how, you, how they would do this, but research shows that it's, a, it's about 35,000 decisions are made every day. 
that you and I make that many decisions, which is, which is crazy to me. All right, maybe you think like, oh, I, I'm like in the 70 to 80 range and that's impressive and you're awesome, but like 35,000, I was like, that is so many. And you know, if you sleep for a certain amount of hours and you calculate, that's a lot of, we make a lot of decisions every day, regardless if it's that many or more or less. I wanna tell you about a couple decisions I made yesterday. Uh, I made the decision yesterday to mow my lawn. Um, I did it well. I thought it looked really good. I did it fairly early in the day. It was a little after lunchtime, and I got done, and I sat in the backyard, and uh, my family was all there, um, all five of us, and I, we had a couple extras running around too, and we were in the backyard, and I just, I just sat in a chair and looked at my backyard and, and was, was pleased with it and just glad to be in my backyard. It, it felt good. I think that was a good decision. Thank you, thank you. I followed that up with a very, very poor decision. I followed that up by going inside, finding my way to Hulu, and I, and I watched in its entirety, Geostorm. That was a very poor decision. Geostorm is a movie. Most of you don't know that. That's how bad it is. <laughs> Geostorm is a movie that's on Hulu. There's actual real humans in it. It's not just CG, it's not just animated. It's real people are in it. It, it, it's horrible. It's like one of those end of the world things. It's, it, it, none of it is believable in the whole thing. Um, it was a bad decision to watch it. I, I confirmed that by following up with another decision that I made, which was to go to Rotten Tomatoes and confirmed it. 14%. 14 percent on, on Rotten Tomatoes. It, it is, it, it's a movie that doesn't deserve to be called a movie. It is Gerard Butler, uh, Ed Harris, Andy Garcia are all in it. They are all barred from ever being in any kind of filmmaking in, activity again. They're done. Their careers are over. Geostorm was a really, really bad decision that I made. I made a good decision, and then I followed it up with a bad decision. I make a lot of decisions every day. You make a lot of decisions every day. And, and ultimately, behind those decisions, what's, what's behind them several layers, or maybe a lot of layers, if you get to a really kind of philosophical core thing that's underneath those decisions and the decisions that we make every day, is there's this longing inside of us that influences all our decisions. And it's a longing to, to, to grasp or to taste or to experience or to step into in some way the good life. We can say that in different ways, but we, we want to we experience life and have it go well. We want to make decisions that are good for us and those that we love that are around us. We want to experience pleasure and kindness and fulfillment and contentment we want the good life in some way. That's behind all of our decisions, our good ones and our bad ones. And as we seek to, to step into and experience a better and good life for us and those around us, we know that there are, are certain kind of boundaries that we just should never cross. And, and they're called kind of moral lines. Scripture calls them rules or laws. There's some really clear ones. The Bible makes really clear in, in, in Genesis, uh, Exodus chapter 20, the, uh, the Ten Commandments. Those are a good place to start. Like, don't murder. Don't, don't kill another person. That's a good one. We can all agree on that, to not kill another person. And it's really, you come up to that, and you're like, I, I kind of want to kill this person, but I'm not because I shouldn't kill them or murder. So I, I know that's a, that's a decision that's easy to make. Or, or not, not commit adultery. But that's bad to, to sleep with somebody that I'm not married to. And, and, you know, plenty of people can rationalize it and say, well, this happened and that happened. And, and, and maybe some of us have participated in that in some way. Or we've been the victim of it. Or we've got friends that have committed adultery. And it's, it's a harmful, hurtful choice. It's a, it's, it's a line. It's a clear line. Don't lie. Don't steal. Some of these are really helpful. And it, it, it makes some, some guardrails for us, some lines for us that we know, okay, that's, 
that's something that's not going to bring a, more of a good life to me or to other people. And so we hopefully we don't cross those. But inside of those, there's a whole lot of decisions that we make. 35,000 a day. How do we make those? How do we make decisions that will lead us more down the line of the good life of sitting in a yard and appreciating a lawn well mowed and avoiding decisions like watching Geostorm? How do we do that? The Bible actually has some help for us there. In the Bible, there's a book in the Bible. The whole Bible helps us with that. But in particular, there's a book right kind of in the middle that says, here's some help on, on how to get to the good life. It does that by describing it. This is what the good life is. This is what a not good life lives, looks like. This, this is how to make decisions. These are where examples of good decisions are made. These are poor decisions. And, and, and the book is, is called Proverbs. It's right after Psalm. Psalm's kind of right in the middle. And then you go to Proverbs right after that. And the book of Proverbs is 31 chapters that describe more of what the good life looks like. And over and over and over again, what it's saying is this is what wisdom is like. And it's so much better than folly or foolishness. This is what wisdom looks like in this life that leads us toward a good life that helps us to experience more of how God created everything. That's what Proverbs does. I want to um, I want to read a, a first few verses of it this morning. We're going to spend our summer, June, July, and August, in in the book of Proverbs. It's part of our reading plan. If you if you haven't uh, if you haven't been around or, or or haven't seen it, we've we've done. I think this is our third one now. We started in February, and just a reading plan that we're we're all invited to read on. And 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 then when we show up here on on Sundays, we're looking back over the past week and taking something from the reading in the week and 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 teaching through it in our time here together in Scripture. And and we've just called it the story. It's just the story that God has written in the Bible, and and we want to regularly be tapping into that and, and experiencing it and learning from it and hearing from God through it. Uh, and as we start this summer, um, we're going to spend a, a, our time on Sundays in the book of Proverbs. There's other readings that will go along. So the new one is out. We finished the old one uh, uh, May 31st and started this one yesterday. It's available. It might have been on your seat or you can grab one in the lobby. Proverbs chapter 1. If you're not, if you're not there, find your way there. And, and I want to I read these first few verses. Um, and what they do is they, they say, say, who wrote it? It says, why was this book written? Why was Proverbs written? And then it says, how to start into the good life, how to start down the way of wisdom. Proverbs chapter one, verse one. The Proverbs of Solomon, that's who wrote it, son of David, king of Israel. And here's the why. For gaining wisdom and instruction, for understanding words of insight, for receiving instruction in prudent behavior, doing what is right, and just and fair. For giving prudence to those who are simple. And, and simple doesn't mean uh, like not smart or, or not educated. That's not what simple means. Simple means not thought through, that they haven't given time to really think through. They're, they're, they're a little naive and they're not taking the time to make wise decisions. They're quick trigger and they just go and they, they haven't been trained and learned how to really think through things. Knowledge and discretion to the young. And when it says young there, it means not old. <laughs> Let the wise listen and add to their learning. So it's for the simple, it's for the young, but it's also for the wise. And let the discerning get guidance. What this means is it's, it's for everyone. <laughs> Proverbs is, is for everyone. We're all included in this, wherever, however we might categorize ourselves. For understanding proverbs and parables, the sayings and riddles of the wise. The fear of the Lord, 
The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge, but fools despise wisdom and instruction. Listen, my son, to your father's instructions and do not forsake your mother's teaching. They are a garland to grace your head and a chain to adorn your neck. That's how the book of Proverbs starts, first nine verses. Who wrote it? Solomon. It's why. It's for all those reasons. And it's for, for how, how to get started on this. Solomon is a, a, a king of Israel. Um, he, he, his dad was uh, David. David was king. Uh, David was, was dying uh, last kind of uh, days, weeks, uh, months, and decides, okay, who's going to follow me? He's got a number of sons to choose from. Um, David, Bathsheba, and uh, prophet Nathan decide uh, we're going to go with Solomon. And so anoint Solomon to become a king, appoints him to become king. And Solomon becomes king, and he's very young. And in, in first, uh, first Kings, the early chapters of the book of First Kings, we, we find the story, the narrative of, of Solomon becoming king. And, and, and one of the things that we find is that, that as, as a young man, he's saying, I, need to, I, I, know, I know kind of that there's ruling, and I know that there's kings, and that there's a, set of, a form of government, and that this is how things kind of go. But, but I, know, I know about it. But I don't actually know how to do it. I've never done it before. Nobody's actually walked alongside me and held my hand as I've done it and learned how to do it. So I I need help doing that. And, and, and he goes to pray to God and, and, and he ends up in a dream and, and God says, I'll give you anything you want. You, get, you ask for it and I'll give it to you, Solomon. And Solomon, knowing that he's young and knowing that he doesn't know how to, how to actually do it, he's not done it, he doesn't have experience, he needs guidance. He says, God, given the opportunity to ask you for anything, I'm gonna ask you for wisdom. I'm gonna, I'm gonna ask you, I'm gonna request wisdom. And, and God's response to Solomon is, Solomon, because you didn't choose something that's, that's purely self-serving, because you didn't choose something that's just for you, and there's a bunch of examples of what that could be. Um, it, it could be toys or, or wealth or women, or it could be that he lives long life. So he could have asked God that I'll live forever. And he's like, ha I win. Nobody can kill me. I'm gonna live forever. I might not be real smart or wise, but you all are gonna die and I'm gonna outlive you, so I'm good, and, and kind of win that way. He didn't ask for that. He didn't ask that his, all of his enemies just wouldn't wake up tomorrow. He didn't, he didn't ask for that. He didn't ask for winning every battle. He didn't ask things that were just for him. And, and so God says, I'm going to give you wisdom, but I'm also going to give you all those other things. And so, so Solomon, we read about in scripture, we find that he's the, he's the most wise person, wise man, wise ruler, wise king that's ever lived. And what he did is he started ruling, is he started collecting information about everything that was out there, just knowledge and learning and learning and learning and skill on how to do things and accumulated all of this and then began to write some of it down and that's how we get to, to Proverbs. And what it was, it was an accumulation of how to live life and how to live it well, how to live the good life, how to learn how to do things, whether it be from art or astronomy or, or building or whatever it might be, how to do all of these things. And that's where we get a book of Proverbs. And it's all centered around wisdom. It's all centered about what, what is wisdom and, and how to step into it and learn it and receive it and experience it and how to, how to walk into the good life. The word for wisdom in, in Proverbs is used earlier in Scripture, and I want to read this for you because it's, it's helpful for us to, to understand because as we talk about wisdom, it's something that we all long for. If you heard wisdom, about how, how do I live wisely? How do I be a wise person? I know some wise people in my life. I wish I could be more like them. How does that happen? We get a hint to it in, in Exodus chapter 31, where this same word is used uh, in, earlier on in Scripture in Exodus. And Exodus chapter 31, verses 1 through 5 says this. Listen, then the Lord said to Moses, see, I have chosen Bezal, son of Uri, the son of Hur, of the tribe of Judah, 
And I have filled him with the Spirit of God, with wisdom, with understanding, with knowledge, and with all kinds of skills. And here's, here's the four. Here's the four this. Two, make artistic designs for work in gold, silver, and bronze, to cut and set stones, to work in wood, and to engage in all kinds of crafts. In Exodus, we find this description of uh, these people who are, are, are wise and have knowledge and understanding. It's all applied. It's all for something. It's not just head knowledge. It's not just gaining information or, or, or concepts or ideas or ideals. But what it is, is it's the, to be able to live, to make decisions, to go through life. And, and it describes being able to make artistic designs and, and to work with gold and silver and bronze and wood and make, to make things. It's the, it's the applied, I can do this. And what it means is that they're not just born like that, that they gained it from their parents or their parents or their parents, and they gained it from others around them, that it's something that they were trained in and they learned, they developed in it. What this means is that the wisdom that Proverbs talks about is not something that you're born with. Like you wake up and you go, you know what, I'm pretty sure I was just born a wise person, or I'm pretty sure I just don't have wisdom. So I'm not responsible for making wise decisions. I just, I didn't get that one. My friends got it. My parents got it. I got a buddy who's really wise, but not me. No, no, no. Wisdom is actually a skill that we all, every single one of us can grow and develop in. It's something that we acquire, but we have to be open to it. We have to be open to, to growing in wisdom. And Proverbs itself talks about this. Listen to, to verse 12 or chapter 12, verse 15. It says this, the way of fools seems right to them, but the wise listen to advice. The way of fools seems right to them, but the wise listen to advice. Proverbs is, is saying over and over that, that wisdom is greater than, is better than folly or foolishness. And here's describing a fool, is that they think they've got it right. They think they've figured it out. Now, um, when you're a child, it's okay to be to be foolish, to step into folly over and over again. If, if, uh, if you've ever parented a, a young child, they, they model for us really well this verse. They don't listen to advice sometimes, right? They have a new favorite thing that they want to do or they want to figure it out on their own. They're a little bit stubborn, whether it's something physical, maybe outside, or a, a trick they're trying to do maybe on a skateboard, or if it's something that they're trying to, to put together on the table and build uh, and trying to figure out. Maybe it's something they're trying to, to paint or, or maybe they're trying to read. And they, and they don't want to listen to advice because they want to figure it out. We've all been there. We've all done that. And as a parent, you watch that and you, you try, and then you try again, and then you, try, and, and then you just go, okay, you, you, I'll wait till you come to me. Like you're just gonna you're just gonna fail and fail and fail. Every once in a while, they figure it out and go, "Oh, that's awesome! Great, you're super talented. Uh, you're mine. I made you." I mean, we think things like that as a parent, but largely, kids don't figure it out, and they actually need help. And when they get to that breaking point of either crying or, or hanging their head and going, "Okay, I'm ready. I give up. Will you come and help me now?" And as a parent, you get to write in and save the day and feel awesome. But that's that's happens. That's what a fool is. And as we get older and get into adulthood, when we when we don't receive advice and we don't listen and we don't remain humble and teachable, we track towards folly and away from wisdom. And Proverbs over and over again is saying, here's a skill that you can learn, that you can acquire, that you can be trained in, that you can grow up in, that you can become wise. And God is saying, I want you to become wise. And so Proverbs is answering the question of how to live the good life. And it's over and over and over saying wisdom is greater than, is better than folly or foolishness. 
as we dive into to Proverbs this summer, and as we learn and hear more and more of it, some of it's going to be funny. Some of it will just ring true, like that's so true. Some of us will go, oh, that unlocks an answer for us on how to live in this certain way or make a decision regarding this. But as we go through it, there's something that, that we do need to remember and make a note of, is that, that Proverbs being this, this book of wisdom, and it'll have all of these statements, and once we get past chapter 9 and into chapter 10, it's just statement after statement after statement after statement that just, they're not connected. They're just truisms of life. This is generally how, how life is. But what we have to remember and make note of is that Proverbs is about life, and it's about how life generally goes that these are things that are generally true about life, these statements, these sentences, these verses, but they're not promises or guarantees. That's very important. They're not promises or guarantees. The the, the classic one to point to, the classic one to go to is is chapter 22, uh, verse verse 6. Proverbs chapter 22, verse 6, and again, if you're a parent, you might have this memorized or, or, or printed somewhere in your home or Start children off in the way that they should go. And even when they are old, they will not turn from it. Start children off in the way they should go. And even when they are old, they will not turn from it. Man, if, if that was a guarantee, if that was a promise, we, we, most parents would go, okay, we're going to stop everything else. We're going we're gonna to focus on, on this child or, or however many you've got and say, well, gonna, we're going to focus on, on how you should go. You should behave like this and you should live like this. You should know Jesus. You should understand his word. This is, this is what is true. This is what is good in life. We're going to learn over and over and over. And then when you get 18, then you're off and running. And, and this said, verse six said, you will not go from it. Even when you're old, you're not turned from this way that we're looking at and we're learning and that we believe and that we've tasted and seen as moms and dads. If that was a promise, that's, that's how that would work. And I'm told that that's not how it works. That that doesn't always work that way. That some of us have experienced deep pain because our, our children haven't stayed on the path. Some of us have experienced deep pain because we've been children who haven't stayed on the path. Or we have friends who haven't stayed following Jesus and have rejected him and gone a different way. This isn't promises and guarantees. What it is is describing this is how life is generally. Most of the time, it goes like this. But we know that it doesn't always go like this. If you read through all 31 chapters of the book of Proverbs, you get to the very end and then you turn the page. And it's all about how life generally goes. It's practical. It's philosophical. This is how to live the good life. It's actually fairly optimistic. Um, it's funny at points. And then you turn the page at the end of Proverbs, and the very next verses that you read are this. Meaningless. Meaningless, says the teacher. Utterly meaningless. Everything is meaningless. I don't like that. I'm going to go back to, I'm gonna go back to, to Proverbs, because Proverbs says stuff like, Better to meet a bear robbed of her cubs than a fool bent on folly. I like that. Better to meet a bear robbed of her cubs than a fool bent on folly. That's helpful. I get that. That coworker I have that's just foolish over and over and over again, I, I'm just going to, I'm not going to hang out with them anymore. I'm going to go find a bear who's robbed of its cubs because that's better. 
if I actually experience what happened in Revenant, that's actually better than what I'm experiencing with my coworker right now. This is a better choice. That's helpful. That's wisdom. I'm going to go that direction and not hang out with this guy at work anymore. The, I get that. That's clear. Turn the page. Meaningless, meaningless, all is meaningless. Like, why, is, why, why is that following Proverbs? Proverbs is not promises or guarantees. It's generally how life works. But what we know is that life doesn't always work this way, and there are things that counteract what Proverbs says. What do we do with that? We get into Ecclesiastes. It's still wisdom literature, but it's got a completely different flavor and vibe. And the reason that it does is because it's God's being graciously honest with us and saying, this is the world that you're in. And because of sin and brokenness and wickedness and evil present in your world, the way that I want the world to work and designed it to work isn't going to always happen. And so there's this poetic and at times difficult to read, but sobering book of Ecclesiastes. It says this is another aspect of wisdom. The world is really, really messy. Generally, when you discerningly and devotedly invest in your children to follow Jesus, generally they will follow Jesus. But because the world is wicked and messed up, they won't always. And this is part of the reality in Ecclesiastes. And then more wisdom literature shows up in in the book of Job that says there's pain in the world. But wow, is it good, even in the midst of pain, to know that there's a God who sees, knows, loves, and has a plan to make all things new. That's also wisdom literature. And so all of those together, Proverbs, Ecclesiastes, and Job's helps us give us a full picture of the human reality in this world. But Proverbs is what will be this summer. And the why is to give us some help along the way into the good life that we all in our core of our being long for and want to experience. So Proverbs is, is practical, it's, it's philosophical, it's practical in this way. Here, here's a good one. Uh, Proverbs 20, verse 13. Um, it, sa- it says this, Do not love sleep, or you will grow poor. Stay awake, and you will have food to spare. I mean, that's just helpful. If you're hungry, don't be so lazy. Like, that's generally true. Maybe you're working really, really hard, and you say, I'm still hungry. Those are, there's other challenges and problems that you're facing. But generally, if you love sleep, you'll grow poor. If you are lazy, you, you will grow poor. If you get through college, and you're like, I did it four years, or four and a half years, or five years, and I worked so hard, I'm just going to take, you know, four to six years off to just recuperate and, and rest and, and sleep in my mom's basement and play video games and um, have my friends bring me food. And, like, you... Your friends will not like you. They will stop bringing you food and you will be hungry. Like, don't sleep. Don't be lazy. That's what it says. If Stay awake and you will have food to spare, that you will actually contribute. You will be awake and alert and you will find things to do and you will find employment. That's generally how life works. And we all know that if we compare our calendars and our life and our background, we would find, yeah, that's generally true. It's also philosophical. It says this in 27 verse 1. Do not boast about tomorrow because you do not, you do not know what a day may bring. We've, we've learned that, right? I mean, some of us have like bet on games and boxing matches, and then some guy who's way supposed to win goes and loses like he did last night, right? Oh, yeah, I didn't know what today was going to bring. Like, I, didn't, I, shouldn't, I shouldn't boast about tomorrow for you don't know what a day may bring. There's a sense of humility of like, I'm, I'm not in control of all this. Helpful. It's philosophical. It makes me think about life. It's generally how life goes in a complicated world. This is how to, how to live well. That's what Proverbs is doing. That's the why that it's written. 
But the verses that we read this morning, it gets to verse 7, and, and, it, and, it, and it opens up for us and answers the question, how? How do we start into this? Do I just read through it and go, okay, that's good, that's good, that's good? If you do that, and some of you have done that before, and I'd encourage you to do it, that's our reading plan again, for, as you read through it, it's like every other verse you're going to like highlight and underline or make a note to, like, oh, that's good, that's good, that's good. Oh, that, that's good too. Oh, the, the honey one is really, really good. If you find honey, eat just enough, because if you eat too much, you'll vomit. God wrote that to us. That is in the Bible. I'm not making that up. That's in the Bible. Isn't, think about this for a minute. The God of the universe writes these simple, basic, this is how to live. If that's true, maybe he's got some other stuff right too. If you find honey, which I mean, we all find honey at times, right? And then don't eat too much. I mean, maybe it's not honey for you. Maybe it's wings, Right? I mean, like, like a third of this room has probably experienced that. And they're like, oh, I wish I would have been Proverbs and I wouldn't have gone to fire on the mountain, eaten too much and gone to the bathroom and thrown up and not told anybody. Like some of us have done that. That is helpful. Thank you, God, for giving me a reality check of how this works. We know it's just true generally because we all have a buddy who eats way too much and that dude has never thrown up and he really should. I mean, this is generally true. It's not always true, but it's generally true. This is God writing to us saying, this is how the world is because he made it. Because he designed it and how it works and how it fits together and what contributes to it breaking down because it's all his. He made it. And so in verse seven, it says this. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge, but fools despise wisdom and instruction. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge, but fools despise wisdom and instruction. Chapters 1 through 9 is this beginning of, of why, why wisdom matters, and then 10 through 31 is all these lists of all these things. But at the end of this front chapter of chapters 1 through 9, in chapter 9 it says the beginning of wisdom is the fear of God. And here it says... The beginning of knowledge is the fear of God. And so we've got, it starts with knowledge, ends with wisdom, and it's this whole section that says the beginning, the beginning is the fear of God. And if you've never heard this before or thought about this concept before, when it says fear of God, it, it doesn't mean for us to be frightened. God is not desirous of us being frightened of him. That happens at times because he's so majestic and awesome and wonderful, and we're less than. But that's, God doesn't want to cause us to be frightened. The fear of the Lord is an awareness and an acknowledgement of who he is and that he made all this and that there's a moral reality to the life that we live in that he built into it by his own hand, by his own doing. And when we step in line with that, we taste more and experience more of the good life. And when we step out of line with that, we experience lost pain, sin, brokenness, tends towards evil and foolishness. The fear of the Lord is saying, God, it's, it's not that I'm frightened of you. It's that I'm aware of how awesome you are. There's this posture in our heart and mind of God, you are big and good and you love me and you know everything about me and you love me and you've seen everything that I've done and you love me. And so I'm going to sit here in fear of you because you are so good and wonderful. And I'm going to be in awe of you. Think of it this way. The fear of the Lord actually leads us to joy, not fright. We're not frightened. It's joy that we're connected with the one who knows us. That even when we get off and we go our own way and stray far away from him, that the best place is to run back to him. 
that should bring us joy, that there's grace from him extended to us over and over and over again, that the fear of the Lord is that he's so good that he wants us back and longs for us back, that the fear of, of God, that we, if we're going to be frightened, we should be frightened of being away from him and run back to him. And that is the very beginning of wisdom. And it's the beginning of wisdom because God created all of this. And God created wisdom in and of itself. And he used wisdom in the creation of this universe. And because he's weaved it together and makes how it worked, that he designed all that, that he gives us really practical helps along the way. This is how to live in this life. And when you step away from this, you step towards folly. It's the beginning, not like a... Not like the fear of God is like starting blocks. I, I, I did really poorly in track in high school, but I ran one race where I, you had to put the starting blocks in, uh, in the lane and you, you positioned it all out and, and, and got your hands down and they shot the gun and you started to run and you don't think about the starting block after the gun starts, it's over. You're, you're thinking about everything forward. When it says the beginning of wisdom, it's not talking about a start like that. It's talking about a start that you can't step off of. It's a foundation. It's a, this is, this is where my feet are planted. And if I move off of this, I actually, I will fall and trip, but I have to stay here. It's the beginning of a sense of, I'm oriented around this. We had a friend, um, Abby and I were in a store in Los Angeles years ago. And, um, we had a, a friend with us who noticed a celebrity in the store. And um, Abby and I don't particularly get like super excited about celebrities. You're kind of, you kind of either do or you don't, I think. And, and we're like, oh, okay, great. And, you know, great celebrity. I don't even remember who it was. That's how much I cared about it. But our friend really cared about it. And for the next 20 minutes, she, she oriented herself in the store so that she could see this celebrity and then gave us her, her phone so that we could get a picture of her because she, she went around and got on the other side of her and we could take a picture of her with her in the background. And we spent like a long time, like too much of our life. I would actually say that was a, a poor decision that I made to spend 20 minutes doing that because that's what we ended up with. It was a picture of a celebrity with our friend in the background. Like, but she oriented herself around her for 20 minutes in the store. The fear of the Lord is like that. It's the beginning like that, that when we orient ourselves around God, we begin to experience wisdom. We begin to get trained in wisdom. We get to a taste of it. We know people who have who have kind of accidentally stepped into wisdom and they don't know Jesus at all. They don't even believe in a God, but they've, they've stepped into wisdom a little bit. They've made some wise decisions. Life's gone well for them because they've made some really wise decisions that God would agree and say, yeah, that's in line with Proverbs. That's in line with my wisdom. But they don't know God. You can accidentally come across wisdom because God created all of this. But to live in it, to make it part of your life, to grow in skill in making decisions throughout your day, practical daily, everyday things that are in that, in that box where so many things, I heard one author said about 80% of life is, is lived you know, in, in this in-between of, of our moral rules that we would all agree on. That majority of life that we have to do and make decisions on a daily, regular basis, maybe 35,000 a day, that the fear of the Lord helps us to do that in a better way than without him. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. Proverbs, as it leads us down this road into wisdom, covers so many things. I want to give you just a taste. We're not going to be able to hit all of them this summer, but here's just a taste of the many things that wisdom of Proverbs hits, hits on. Family, debt, work, 
justice, marriage, alcohol, integrity, sex, spirituality, money, generosity, poverty, friendship, forgiveness, speech, laziness, parenting, life and death, and honey. All of those are covered in some way or another in, in the book of Proverbs. It's, it's just helpful for life. It's stuff that we run into every day. As we look at that list, all of us can find something on that list and go, you know what, there's something that I chose folly instead of wisdom. And maybe I didn't even know I was choosing it, but I chose it and I, I just, I failed. I was a fool. And isn't it so great that the God who created wisdom and offers it to us at the very same time offers us grace when we failed and says, come on back, be with me. Let me read this to you as, as we close. It says this, Colossians, Paul is writing to a young church uh, in, in Colossae and he, he writes this in chapter two. Um, My goal is that they may be encouraged in heart and united in love so that they may have the full riches of complete understanding in order that they may know the mystery of God, that they may know the mystery of God, namely Christ, in whom are hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. That it's in Jesus that all wisdom and knowledge resides and that he joined our humanity, walked among the creation, gave his life, perfect wisdom, perfect life, gave his life, was buried and and rose again after conquering death. And when we step off and make a foolish decision, when we choose wickedness, evil, sin, or brokenness in some intentional way, and we stray from God, that it's Jesus that is our invitation back. Come back. Come back and walk with me. Come back and learn my ways. Come back to the way of wisdom. And so I want to invite you to these tables this morning that are before us, the bread and the the juice that represent Jesus' life given for us as an invitation to him first and foremost and to a life of wisdom that he's modeled for us and invites us into. And so Jesus, we come to you this morning and we say, we need your wisdom. We need your pointers on life of how to get through and how to make decisions and how to live in this world. And we say that at the same time we say that we've, we've chosen other than that more than we care to remember. And so we need your grace and forgiveness, but we also need your help. And so Jesus, guide us in wisdom. Guide us in your ways. Help us to be not just those that experience the life that you want for us, but that we then on top of that would be models and a light to the world around us of how you're inviting us as your sons and daughters, as your humanity to to represent you well in this world.